All right, we'll do another podcast. I'm sitting here with Tyler Wade, and man, this is one I've been looking forward to because uh, just from the first time I've ever seen you rope, it's been a whole different game, and, and just to kind of come over here and film with you today and stuff has been pretty fun, but man, I, I have to tell my favorite story. The first time I ever watched you rope was at Spanish Fork, and uh, we were in the last set, and I just drove from Salinas, and there's it was a little bit bigger set, but there's 18 teams to go, and the rodeo's got 80 or 90 teams, and this kid it comes in, I don't, I dude, I didn't know who you were on this kind of little sorrel horse, and just ducks one straight back, and you guys are three eight or three nine or three six or something, and he's, you're up with Tyler McKnight, and I didn't really know who he was either. I'd never heard of you guys. And I'm thinking, man, that was one of the best runs I've seen all summer long. And, uh, and then we come back, and I'm like, man, I wonder what they're going to do in the perf that night. Because, you know, you'd won the round by almost a half a second, and that set won a lot of money. And I think four flat or four two was second in the round. And you guys come, and you just, same run. It's like three eight, three nine, And you guys are like seven on two <laughs> and 40% of them. And I'm like... Man, it's July 24th, and you guys are just now starting to rodeo. I was like, holy cow. And I asked Martin, I was like, man, who is that kid? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's from kind of East Texas a little bit, and that horse is just kind of an old practice heel horse that, you know, or practice head horse that they mainly <laughs> healed on. And I was like, dude, it was, it was crazy watching you first start to rope. So, I, But I appreciate you being here and, and just kind of watching where you've kind of been with your roping. Yeah, you bet, man. Glad to be here. Well, man, that's the first thing I wanted to jump into was – when you were early, like earlier in your how old are you now 26 26 so earlier i mean you're still young but when you first got out there and started rodeoing it was straight up offense i thought as you know you're going at them man i i mean besides a couple buddies and stuff telling me how to enter and all that i was kind of just on my own out there doing it and uh, i've learned a lot we've come a long long way since those days uh that was I, we couldn't go, I couldn't go catch, and our horses were not very good. Uh, the little horse I had was easy, and you could dang sure reach on him, and he scored outstanding, but uh, that was about it. We just kind of went with it and hoped it worked. Uh, I'll never forget the first time we went uh, over the fourth. We, our rig broke down, long story short, it's take forever if I tell you every detail about every rodeo we went to, but Long story short, we get uh, Eugene and Malala as the last two over the 4th of July, and uh, Paul Eves walks up to me and he says, hey man, how, uh, how'd you do at St. Paul? And I said, St. Paul, where's that? And he said, it's like six miles from here, it's the biggest rodeo over the 4th of July. I said, huh, never heard of it, I guess we're not going. And sure enough, we, we didn't even enter that one. We had no idea there was a St. Paul or that it paid 10000 to win it or anything. We had no clue about none of it, but... Uh, We've come a long way since then, for sure. Just putting your names down. I, well, man, I think that that's what's so interesting about rodeoing and, and hard to do is finding the balance between getting out there and, like, I'm ready to go rope, and then there's more to it than just having a really good run with a partner. You know, there's the entering aspects, there's the horses, there's the ability to win. You know, there's, there's all those situations that play into it and so when you get out there and kind of can groom yourself to it that's that's probably one of the biggest challenges I think don't you oh absolutely when you know when we went out there I finished 17th in the world I think missed the finals by like 4500 and I was not ready to go I could not believe I got that close it was I was just a few steers away from doing it or not doing it uh 
I honestly don't know why we went. I just kind of won 20000 in the winter. Uh, not sure how, just pro rodeoing, I guess, and just kind of going at it. Uh, but it, there's a lot more to it. You know, when it comes to it, you need, you need horses for every scenario. You need to know where to go and what to do and stuff like that. Not, not only your horses, you need a good partner. You need to be on the same page with your partner. Uh, two reliable rigs, uh, the funds to do it. Uh, the means to get there, how to enter, where to go. You know, there's a lot of rodeos nowadays, and you can only count 65 of them. The, even going to the point of, you know, if you don't go, if you can't get a rerun, don't go to that rodeo. Knowing where they're going to rope and how, you know, if you can't get a rerun, don't count it. Don't, don't go to it. I mean, there's so many little scenarios like that that play out that people don't understand. Oh, I mean, I think this year's a great example. 65 rodeos are counting. You're... Fourth of July books are starting to come up and, and do the entering for those. And there's a rodeo like Oakley that's a very good one-header. But last year, I don't think much money won, uh, won anything from the slack. And so it's like, man, if I go to Oakley, do I even count it this year where the, the, yeah. you know, the last the four or five perfs after the 40 teams have went and got, all got a rerun? And, Absolutely. You know, so there's, there's a lot of stuff learning that. Um, man, to kind of give people a feel for it and, and how you grew up, uh, Take me through it. Like I, I know that you kind of started out healing, right? Yeah, I uh, I healed till I was seventeen or eighteen. My brother-in-law Dustin Davis, he healed too. He, he's a ten. I've always looked up to him and the way he ropes and stuff. And uh, man, I just wanted to be. I wanted to heal as good as him for so long. And uh, we would go to the ropings, and he would have way better runs than me. And I couldn't even get a run. Almost needed to draw one when I healed. And uh, so it got to be, well, he's, well, he'd rope with me. I'd make him have to rope with me, but, so I would just head for him. And before you long, I had a couple of buddies, uh, they roped good too, and they wanted to rope. And before you know it, I was like, well, heck, if I can get better runs heading, I'll just head for you guys. So I pretty much just quit healing when I was 17 or 18 and just strictly headed. Right. And then the other deal is, man, you kind of, when you started into your head, and I don't think you had much for head horses, it wasn't like you were getting on real high-dollar head horses, right? Uh, I had two hill horses that <laughs> you could head on, and we just kind of converted them. And uh, they were all right. They, I mean, they, they I, didn't, I didn't know how to keep one working, so obviously they probably looked worse than they started out being. But uh, there, there's a lot, there's a process to keeping head horse working, keeping everything going and stuff like that, that's huge, and having the horses, but we kind of started cold turkey, and uh, I've never healed at a pro rodeo, I don't think, still to this day. Really? Uh, right off the bat, I've always headed. Probably the funniest story I got, uh, my brother-in-law and us, we went to a couple, and uh, we entered, we went to, he entered Odessa, and I didn't have my card in time, or I wasn't old enough until um like alexandria louisiana was my first pro radio on my permit and uh we went down there and we got there and realized we were going to be kind of early and he likes to just show up right on time and he's like well pull in this wendy's we got a minute so i was like oh okay so we pulled in this wendy's and i'm like well it's starting you know like we're and he's just eating his burger, not 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 a care in the world. We drove like nine hours for this one little rodeo. Right. And as soon as we pull in, the team ropers were going in the alley. So the first rodeo I've ever team roped at, at a pro rodeo, I had to mount out. 
<laughs> and, the box. and I ran into the box, and there's I've never roped with a bigger crowd, you know, at a small rodeo and this huge crowd. I thought this was the biggest rodeo in the world. And it could have paid a million. I wouldn't have known any difference if it paid 500000 or $500. People everywhere. And I, I'm nervous, and I just nod and go and run through the barrier and don't hit him. And I look at him, and he's laughing at me. And he's like, are you nervous? I was like, man, I couldn't even see straight right off the bat. But uh, after that, I uh, finally we won some and filled my permit. In 2000, the 2012 season, I was like, that's it. I'm going to buy my card. I don't know why I was going to buy my card, but I was going to buy my card and win the rookie. Well, the first rodeo I roped with uh, Tyler Barton, a buddy of mine from Arkansas, and uh, we went to Shreveport, Louisiana. I'll never forget it. And uh, we were 3-9, set the record at Shreveport, fastest run ever there. And I thought, they can't, they can't hang with me. I'm too fast. <laughs> this is unbelievable. These guys aren't ready, but... I was in for a rude awakening the rest of that year, but I thought that first rodeo, I thought I had it figured out and I was headed to the top. <laughs> they can't hang. Uh, well, man, I, and I think that's what's so unique about it is you, you know, you converted heel horses and just went to heading on them. And I'm going to assume that, that they weren't real fast. And, uh, you know, just for the sake of, you know, you've always been a guy that's been able to reach really, really well. Like that has been your strength. And, and I think that that's what's been so cool is to watch you, you know, as you, as you rope and kind of have progressed your roping, you've always played to your strengths and you've been able to, you know, advance and get better at your jackpotting and getting where, man, now you, your potting is great. You win all the time, jackpotting as well. But I, I think that's been so cool to see is, you know, the foundation is kind of a little bit different than what you typically see with a team roper. You know, usually they run close. Yeah, and then they back off as they go. Uh, I still make a lot of mistakes and go a little faster than I should sometimes. Uh, I've worked on it a lot. I was high call at the Windy Ryan that first year. I started heading, uh, started heading uh, whenever it was. I guess May rolled around and I was gonna go to the Ryan. And I had York Gill, the best healer I've ever had. At uh, the only guy I've had that made the NFR, so I was pretty excited about it at the time. And uh, we were high call at the Ryan. And I don't remember what they had to be because, you know, it's like the hometown huge jackpot. I don't remember what we had to be, but I remember I come out and bombed again because I'd bombed on the other three and it worked. And I had an illegal head catch. And I think we had to be like seven or something. We just had to catch. And I missed. And I, I bet I had ten people text me and go, hey, man, don't worry about it. You took your shot. Live by the sword. Die by the sword. And I got to thinking about it. Man, that, that's wrong. I should have just caught the steer won $8,000 and made it work. I don't think you stick with your shot or who shot. You, you do what it takes to win. And uh, if Clay Tryon's got to be 3-8 or 13-8, he's going to get a time. And he's going to either go all the way to him or he's going to reach or do whatever he needs to do. And I think that's something that I've been sure learned over the last couple of years. Right. And uh, I believe you came back and won the Windy Ryan through a couple of years ago? Or? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I finally won it. Me and Dakota Kirkensley was both high call and messed up. So. Right. Uh, I'll never forget that either. Uh, we were in the, it rained so hard it was inside the building. And I'd rode four different head horses that day. I was trying them all out. I couldn't find one I liked. There, uh, we run five steers and I rode four different horses. <laughs> and uh, I walked up to Dakota for the short round. And I said, hey, we might not ever get another opportunity to rope inside this building. It'll always be outside. And I said, so don't screw this up. <laughs> and, and he healed the heck out of him in the short round. We wound up winning it. It was, it was pretty cool. Dude, that's, that's one thing about 
if you don't know T Wade really well, is I think he's got a pretty good sense of humor. Uh, I, I go back to one of the first times I'd ever like. I think it was that same year that you guys won Spanish, right? Was it that you and Knight Rider were roping together uh, at Casper? Yeah. Dude, you got to tell this story. I love this story. Uh, about the second round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they. You probably won't. But you'll probably try to be too humble about it. But I'm sure you guys, like, you win the first round at Casper? Yeah, we was, I think, 3-7 in the first round over there. Yeah, win the first round at Casper. And the Casper Rodeo is two and a short. And being three at Casper, it's got deep boxes. And it's hard to be fast. You know, it's not, that might even be the arena record. I'm, I don't know. but Yeah, it, it's kind of a weird setup the way it is. Uh, the barrier might have been a little bit shorter that year. I don't quite remember. But I remember who our goal was to never catch them all because I didn't think we could. So we were just going to just go at them each time. Uh, well, I think I tried to go at the second one, and I didn't pull him very good. Knight Rider went to catch to make sure when the average, and I think he healed him and lost the leg. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I was trying to catch to make it back. And I was like, we are not going to make it back. Just go at the second one, too. There's no way we'll catch them all. Yeah. So that was that was about all we had in the bag though for a while. Or me, I, I kind of hindered him because that was all I could do. So, dude, I, I, that that mentality though, and that's that's what's so interesting is building on that. The hey, we're we're not an average team. We are going as fast as we can. And it what is? I mean, I've talked to you about it a few times. You, you're okay with being able, or have been okay with missing a few steers in a row, knowing that you can make that run and and when it works it's going to be fast and and i think that that's man i you know that mentality coming out there that's that's a hard one to accomplish i think doing a little bit of both like you you have to be confident in yourself but don't be ignorant about it like if if i i have a i have a three in a row rule now that i've tried to apply the last two years was don't miss three in a row if you're going at them you, your healer's got to have somewhat of a rhythm so if you go at two and miss, that's fine, but catch the third one. And, uh, you know, don't, don't be ignorant about it. If the shot's not there, don't take it. And uh, I've tried to settle down just a little bit. If I go at two and it doesn't go good, don't, don't just try it, something crazy on the third one. Kind of make a smooth run, win last hole, and build off of it or whatever we need to do. So, Right, kind of get back to I, – I think that's important is understanding what it takes for the team, you know, to, to win as a team, like you were saying. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it – it's hard when you go out there and you go to five rodeos and you spend one and then your healer misses. And you go, well, he missed a win, so-and-so. Well, he wasn't ready, probably. And uh, I try to keep them in a, in my healer in a better rhythm now than I used to. I used to be the world's worst at it. And I was pretty impressed with Knight Rider and Kenny Harrell and Tyler Barton and those guys I've roped with before that they could overcome it after I missed so many. But now I've tried to try to, try to give them a lot more shots than I used to. Right. Well, and, and I think that's, that's the one thing about rodeo healing is it takes a lot of discipline to, to find yourself in the right spot and, and to get it. But the, the rhythm and building a rhythm as a team is really important. Like, I mean, I, I healed for you today, and you ducked me about, I don't know, six or eight in a row <laughs> back really fast. And I hadn't, you know, I probably hadn't turned in that fast ever, and I don't know that I caught any of them. Like, I, wasn't, I didn't know where to be or what to do. But, you know, that, that is, there's a lot to that. And if you'd have, you know, if I'd have been healing for a guy at the rodeos and that would have been something I hadn't seen before, and you're like, man, one out of every eight is for first, and it might have been for five or $7,000, right. well, it's great, but it's really tough uh, 
your healer has to be on a really good heel horse and be really mentally tough to be prepared to win, I think. Absolutely. I think you just got to work on keeping your percentage, percentages up and keep both guys on the same page. I mean, go as fast as you can, obviously, but uh, something me and Billy Jack talked about this year, and uh, uh, we've done pretty good before, was feeding off each other. So if I am out of whack and go down there a ways, take, you take the risk. You, you almost borderline crossfire him or whatever you got to do to make up the difference. And then if I get it on him for first, you, you throw your first available shot, I think is huge, is being able to feed off each other. Because it was like, if I go catch and you go catch, we're too long for the rodeo. And then if I go fast and you go fast, we're not going to catch enough of them. Like, you kind of got to feed off each other and read the play makes a great team, I think. Absolutely. Man, has that been something you've worked on the last few years as you've gotten better and better at your jackpot and I mean you've always won at the pots but here the last two and three years you've really won a lot and, and get great runs at the jackpots or what do you think's helped you you know helped you get where your jackpot has been so strong as well I hate to do it but every week at in Stephenville somebody has a jackpot and I always drive over there and it's it's across Dallas both ways every time but I think that's that's the deal is staying in the rhythm staying in the routine with these guys because once you get out of that routine of going all the time and you're not there or don't have the horse or whatever it is, you're not going to get the runs for one. But for two, going and butting heads and seeing where you're at. I, <clears throat> I live over here east of Dallas, and there's not many headers over here. Uh, there's not many good teams. Me, me and my brother-in-law, we were up, Dustin Davis, we were up together every day. And uh, we're a 19 team, but we're making good runs and feel and look great, it feels like. And then you go over there. And then the best guys, we're being seven and they're being six. They're, you know what I mean? you gotta got to stay in the rhythm of doing what they're doing and staying on top of your game is huge, being in the middle of it. Right. And I think that's, that takes a lot of commitment to, uh, I mean, we drove over here today and, and to drive that, it's two hours or so to probably each jackpot. And there's, like I said, there's one or two a week and you're usually at them, you know? Yeah. So. It's hard to believe guys that live 20 minutes away don't go every week, but I, we go every single week, more than likely over there. Uh, if everything's good and horses and stuff, but I think just staying in the mix of it is huge. It seems like as soon as you get out of being over there all the time, you either lose your partners or you, you I don't know, gain. You lose your mentality of winning, how to win, putting it all together. It, it seems like to me that if you don't beat them on Tuesdays, you're not going to beat them at the BFI. You know what I mean? Like you, right. you kind of need to get over there and get in the middle of it all the time, it seems like. And I got to agree with you. I think that's really important to uh, to know that what you got before you leave and, and to, to kind of have that rhythm is, is so important. And, and when you do that and you're going against the, I would say, 10 out of the top 15 in the world every single week, you're not really that concerned when you get to the BFI because you just got to beat the same guys you've been trying to beat week in and week out versus, you know, beating the local guy at the 12th slide and then trying to step up your game is going to be a lot tougher so right you just literally you're just reading your start as a header and you're making that run and you usually got a pretty good feel for it when you see. absolutely yep. so <clears throat> going to the mentality of it you know I, i've always considered you you know you're very tough mentally I, i've watched uh man i've i think a great example is, uh, is the open showdown a few years ago probably two or three years ago now um maybe maybe even longer but had a high teamer and had out roped everyone all day long, had a couple of high teamers and come back and had bad luck in the short round, might have missed them or whatever. 
But the next day, there was another roping, uh, and everyone was tired. Had a, It wasn't as big of a roping, but had kind of the same situation. You know, you're able to go get in that same situation, come back the next day and be high call and just have to catch. And, and then we're able to go knock them down. And I, and I think that, that, you know, watch you do stuff like that really has built a lot of mental toughness and, and, and trust in what you're doing, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think trust what you're doing, but like you talked about, don't be ignorant about it. If you took a bad shot, own it, move forward, uh, don't dwell on it. You know, when I go to the rodeo and I hadn't caught four in a row or whatever it is, I'm still going to go eat good and go bowling afterwards if I want to. I'm not going to sit in the trailer and pout about it. I used to be bad, uh, but now I just try to be the same person and don't let it define me in or out of the arena. And it helps me in the arena because I'm not, you know, when I'm high call for the second time, I'm not worried about that one I missed three weeks ago as much. It, it's, it's still in the back of your mind a little bit. And you, uh, me and Corey Kuntz, Two weeks ago, had to be nine eight to take the lead at a roping in Kansas for like four thousand a man, and I missed. And uh, <clears throat> I come back the next day and I roped a lot better. And then last week I roped good, but uh, I haven't forgot about it. But I'm not gonna let that bother me the next time I have to be nine eight to win a roping. So when you get in a like a spot like that where you have a run that basically hurts, or it means a lot more when you miss them. What like what do you do for that? Do you go to the practice pin and work on that, or what do you try to do to get you know help out with that? Uh, honestly, I just try to almost forget about it. That uh, it's hard. Obviously, I haven't because <laughs> I'm talking about it. But right. uh, I just I mean I just don't don't let it worry you so much that the next day. You know, it was it was embarrassing to miss that steer and have to be nine eight. It was in a tiny building. There was people everywhere, and they're like, "All right, this guy just made the NFR. He's got to be nine eight. And I hit him in the back of the head. But it was embarrassing. But just overcome it and do better next time. Uh, just like I've missed high call at the Sand Hills jackpot, and I missed high call at the Windy Ryan. Uh, I've missed high call a lot of places, and then come back years later and neither won it or did good at it. And I think just overcoming it and if you've already messed it up before it's it's not a big deal the next time and i think just you got to put yourself in both spots for sure right and then just knowing that you have the run that a got you to that place and then you've like you said you built a, a a run where hey if i need to go fast i can but also if i need to go catch you know i you know that's that's in the bag as well and trying to to keep adding that to to your roping absolutely i think it comes just like we were talking about today practicing that you might throw your whole rope on two and then the next one just go catch him have faith in your horse too that when you need to go catch he lets you do both that way you're not one-dimensional on well i've been bombing on him i better try it again you know and that that's hindered me before and some horses are tough to get by on but the great ones you can do both on right. and i think that that's a big deal is having confidence in them and yourself to do both is huge i see a lot of guys when they you know they have to be six instead of their usual nine second run they just throw the fundamentals out the window and just try it on instead of speed up just a little bit or whatever it is i kind of practice both that way you're ready for both well and that's you said that today as we were filming and, and i man i really appreciated it because you're like hey i if i expect to reach on them and do good at the at the rodeos and at the jackpots i'm gonna do it here as well and that's one thing that i think you've you do great is you're able to head from a ways back and then still have a lot of feel with your horses and handle cattle and, and do things like that too. Yeah, we've 
<clears throat> I, I don't try to reach every time on them, but let them know that that's coming, but they still got to work. Yep. And uh, just kind of showing them a little bit of everything. You can't just go catch practicing and then take your first shot on the corner every time at the rodeo and expect him to either, you know, to expect him to keep running for you or whatever. So that being said, I try to show them both and then show them what I want and where I want them to be. And it, it, seems, it seems to work a lot better. Used to, I bombed at the rodeo and just whipped them past them at the practice. And, and they still knew when the barrier was up what to do. So I tried to make him a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's uh, just kind of developing some feel and some trust. And then on top of it, when you do, if you've been aggressive at a jackpot and you do maybe got to go catch, you've got, you know, you've built that trust with your horse. Like, hey, I can ride past that spot and not just committed to one run. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few horses that, I got that won't quite let you do that. If you kind of start bombing, you kind of need to stay that way. But for the most part, you can keep swinging through it and ride them. Obviously, the, the best ones that have the great ones, you, you're confident and you can just, if you got to be nine, you can just laugh because you're about to go run right through them. But there's some of them that are a little bit tougher to do that on. But right. in the end of the day, you need to be able to do both on both horses, on any horse. Yeah. And then knowing if your horse like, hey, man, he's probably not going to play to this game plan, so I kind of have to, you know, you, that just increases your odds of winning is knowing what your horse is going to do and how to, how to ride your Yeah, horse. absolutely. Having faith and trusting your horse because you've put in the man hours in the practice pen and yeah. give him each scenario just as well as you've gave yourself that scenario. Well, man, um, I, I want to talk about the finals, you know, because I, I think that was that was two pretty cool moments. I mean, definitely uh, the first time, you know, making the NFR and, and, and kind of leading up to that is, I, it's a, a completely different feel is what I've been told. And kind of take me through that, like your mentality as far as how you kind of prepared for it. And then, you know, how, how are you able to handle kind of the mental side of being in kind of, I would probably call that one of the more high pressure situations so far of your life, but. Oh yeah, for sure. And everybody and their dog knows what you're doing wrong on on the slow-mo <laughs> TiVo they got going over there. But, yeah, it it's nerve-wracking for sure, to say the least. Uh, if a guy would take the mentality like he was when he was watching the TV, going, well, just make a smooth run, you, you know what I mean? It ain't that hard. It's as simple or as hard as you want to make it. And, uh, obviously, the fans and the steers and stuff, they're all tough. But if you can just... Mentally stay focused and stuff's the biggest deal. The first year I went, we took four head horses, two to practice on and two to ride at the rodeo. Or I wound up riding three different horses at the rodeo total and had this plan about what I needed to do, what I needed to ride, and how I needed to do it. And we would run like 95 steers a day. And, I mean, I would just kill every practice horse myself and just rope, 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 rope. And I don't think I got any better. Uh, so I kind of shortened my practice up to like, 30 or 40 steers, make them count, do everything correct. Don't ride horses that aren't realistic, ride the, ride the good ones and kind of see it through, take your time practicing. Uh, that helped a lot. Obviously, if I get to go back a third time, I'm gonna even learn from that and do stuff a little bit better from there. But my first one was just, I haven't had much guidance when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I didn't know what to do or how to do it or anything. All I knew was, Luke Brown was running 90 a day. I was running 90 a day. But Luke's 90 a day was, must have been way different than mine because mine wasn't very smart at all. We were just running them. Right. Uh, we would just have like 20 head ropes lined up, just throw, grab a rope, do it again, like, and just miss, 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 and mess up. And it carried into the arena. I wasn't as prepared as I could have been. 
And uh, so many people were telling me what to do, how to do it, or how somebody else does it. But perfect you. Stick to what works for you and do be the best you you can be. I, I don't swing like Trevor Brazil or I don't, you know what I mean, I don't throw where Clay Tryon does or I don't have Drigger's horse, you know, so I got to perfect me and do what, what's best for me. And, and in the meanwhile, still trying to get better too. So it, it's tough, but put it all together is the main deal, I think. Right, right in that line. And, and then even like this year, man, I thought, it, you know, your practice was a little bit different. We were able to film one, but the – the overall performance was great. I thought, I mean, it might not have been the finals you wanted, but I thought, felt like the spins were there and, you know, and your run was there. And, and I think that that's just to showcase how much, you know, from one NFR to the next, how far your roping had really come along and, and you yourself, you know, had come along to, to be able to do that as well. I think that's important. Absolutely. And uh, that bay horse, that was the second time I got to ride him there and the confidence in him because the first year I didn't ride him until the last five rounds because I thought he would be too free and wouldn't turn off fast enough. Well, as he kind of got, I don't know if you call it a little more seasoned or ready or read the play better or whatever it was, he was so working so much better. I had confidence in him and what to do. And uh, I think me and Cole could obviously do a lot better if we tried it again. We just kind of got thrown in the fire and uh, roped together. but. Uh, I had a lot more confidence in that horse and knowing what I needed to do, and I think hopefully next time it'll be even better. Right. Well, and it just it just gives you that for when you know this year when you're preparing for it and you're building that run and you kind of know and you can just keep keep adding on to the experience. And I think that's as team ropers, it's it goes into like what you do every day. You know, if you can work it like what we talked about on the on the ground, you say, hey, work on these little things um, in the, the steps, you still got to improve on each step, but just try to focus on one or two things and get that down and just keep improving on it. And I think it absolutely it, it doesn't really stop. You know, you keep, oh, you keep it, improving. It you have to. I've learned that here recently. You have to enjoy the journey, or you're about to be miserable. Because I kept, I keep wanting to get better. Like it's just going to be done. Like I'm just going to be so good, I'm done. And it's, it never ends. You got to work on you and your horses and. Uh, I don't know anybody that's good enough to not keep working at it. So, uh, for sure, I mean, just I've 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 progressed every single year that I've been out here. Uh, I can't believe I got as far as I did. Sometimes I was I might have been almost going backwards for a little while. But that being said, I think I like I was telling you earlier from four years ago when we filmed, I'm way better than I was then. So right. it's crazy to think how far I've come since then and hopefully only get better yeah absolutely um, I mean that's the the amount of improvement and consistent with the work ethic I think that's that's so important but one thing I will say with Stephenville that you'll even see it is you'll see guys come on and they like a header and he might be ducking them all back and winning at the jackpots and all of a sudden he's got the best runs and then if they, you know, it's quick to change. If he, you know, if he goes to struggling or not roping well, it's like, man, the runs get worse. And the oh pain, yeah, and if you if you stay out of the rhythm and the routine, I mean, you almost start right back over. Uh, it's just like uh, the rodeos. If you don't stay in the top 45, I don't care how many world titles you got, you're not going back to San Antonio, Houston. It's kind of the same way in the roping world. A guy loses a horse or something like that. It's it's a tough way to make a living out here, for sure, you know. And as soon as that guy gets that horse, he gets those runs too, so. Yep. 
and I think that's where it goes back to being able to enjoy it. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the journey, and I've kind of been working on some young horses and stuff like that, and myself, and just trying to get better. And uh, like like I said, it, you're never going to stop working at it, so you might as well just enjoy it. Right, man. I appreciate you doing all the filming today. We we covered some pretty cool stuff. I got a heel, so there was about ten misses in there. We we got worried, like man. How are we going to edit this out, or should we just correct Nikki, pace? were you worried about it? Yeah, I, I had to really work on the job. <laughs> like, I had to go back through and watch, because, uh, like, you did. You turned, whatever, six or seven really fast off, and I hadn't seen it, and I did not heal them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I got one or two. Or no, you got those two, for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But then I don't think, Nikki, by that time, Nikki was just cutting me out of the camera. Like, she, you could just see maybe, like, a little bit of the steer, and then it was. <laughs> so, but anyways, man, I, I really appreciate it.